You're listening to the Gender Reveal Party Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Pryor. This isn't your usual gender reveal party. There will be no baby sex parts. This is the real reveal, where we reveal gender through stories of brave humans willing to share their lived experience. Enjoy the listening. I sure enjoy making it. Welcome back to the Gender Reveal Party Podcast. I'm Jay Pryor, your host. I'm delighted to have my friend Anna Cranberry here with us. She lives in Lawrence, Kansas with me. And so I've known you since I think 2007. Is that right? Yeah. 2007 sounds right. Yeah, that's when I moved back to town. 2007, 2008 is when I first started. I think uh, there was a small group of trans folks getting together. And the, and the first time I met you, I walked out, I, I was that small group. And then I hadn't, cause I hadn't seen anybody. It had actually 2008. Cause I think I hadn't seen anybody in like a year. And I went to that group and then I went to my car and I just cried for like 20 minutes because I <laughs> hadn't realized how starving I was for trans other trans folks um, like that. So um, I've always appreciated you being a, another transhuman in my life in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks for being on on the show and sharing your story with us. And um, please introduce yourself to our audience. Well, hi, audience. My name is Anna Cranberry, and I am a 48 year old trans woman who is asexual, somewhat gender fluid and uh, uh, lesbian oriented. Um, I, I grew up in Oklahoma. I spent 20 years in Oklahoma and I traveled the country. I've seen 42 states and now I am a paraeducator in Lawrence, Kansas. Right. <clears throat> and um one of the most i i don't know find a little bit interesting you're a musician yes sometimes <laughs> well you're a musician and an artist you're a creator i know creator. that creator i would say that um and uh you're the only i have a lot of friends who have kind of were in the punk scene who grew out of it but i've never had you're my my what is this the right word my most authentic punk <laughs> Right. You've probably lived the punk scene more than most of my other friends, I think. But I've had a few friends in the punk scene, but you're the only friend I know that really lived it. And unfortunately, like lived it in a in some traumatic ways. But um, that is when you uh, like you were in that scene, right? When you was that accurate when you made your transition? No, um, I got into punk when I was 11 years old and my brother introduced me to to some punk albums and, and they clicked. I liked it right away. The music uh, had urgency and it sounded like they were trying to make something literate and uh, important. Right. Uh, so I enjoyed the music right away. But by the time I was 15, I was rather bored with punk. I got into goth music, like the Cure. Okay. For my transness. And uh, by the time I was 18, I was you know, really back into punk again, but I was, I was kind of set set up to uh, become a homeless traveler. You know, I, I was shamed by my parents and uh, uh, my dad was, was, was absent and I wasn't raised well. I, I didn't want to be raised well in a lot of ways because once I um, 
found out that uh, work is where bullies live. And every time I go to work, there's going to be a bully uh, bullying me. I just didn't want to work anymore. So, um, yeah. Uh, by the time I uh, got off the streets at age 24, um, punk was, you know, it's part of my life, but it's also kind of incidental to life in a lot of ways. And um, so being only one of my interests, I was, I was ready to get eventually into the workforce so I could settle down and start my transition basically, which was not the easiest thing to do in 1998. Yeah, no kidding. I remember the days. <laughs> I was 99 uh, yeah. and I moved out of Kansas to be able to, you know, like even have those conversations. So um, yeah, I had to because Oklahoma was so oppressive. So it's like a matter of degrees. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you say you got bullied, one of the things that I try to um, try to make clear to our audience who are pretty savvy, but also if they're sharing with their people is that humans often like at the time you weren't and maybe you were, I doubt it. But when you were younger and you were starting in the workforce, you weren't sh showing up cross-dressing right you weren't saying i'm a trans person right you were just i'm going to guess you were an effeminate looking boy or that's you're not i don't want to use those words because you're always a woman to me but you know what i'm saying but like presenting to them that's why you got bull i'm guessing it's about gender yes so um the roundabout way i uh last week i i had a uh um I had a consultation with, with a plastic surgeon for facial humanization surgery because I get misgendered a lot. Um, and the plastic surgeon said there was nothing that he would change with my face to make it more feminine. I, you know, I don't know. I, it's the same face that I was born with. And when I was young, I was uh, mistaken for a girl until I was, until I hit puberty. And then um, even after that, you know, I was, I was, insulted as the person you know uh who was born with both genitalia not that i uh, find anything shameful about um any sexual expression um gender uh or sexual you know body expression right as nature made us um or as we create ourselves so um yeah i mean they were calling me the Esler right away. I mean, it was the first day. Right. And right. so I refused to get a job for a long time. I would yeah. work like several weeks, just homeless, you know, um, find some work. Um, but, you know, for the most part, no, I, I, I couldn't get back into the workforce until I came to Lawrence, Kansas and started working at the Paradise Cafe, which Honestly, I got picked on and I got called a girl and I got um, bullied. Um, but at that point I realized, although the bullies live at work, I, um, I, I will get paid to be bullied, I suppose. Like, I don't like to go out at all anymore, honestly, because um, I get bullied wherever I go, if it's the bar or anywhere. Um, you know, maybe not for coffee, but if I, I don't go out to socialize much because there's someone hostile a lot and I'm not getting paid 
to be bullied. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Huh. Well, I have, I really hate that that's your experience in the world today, that that's your lived experience, especially today. Well, it's kind of worse today. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of worse than ever, Ben. Yeah. I'm, I'm a public school teacher and I know you say you're off social media, so I'm not quite sure how tuned in you are with politics, but I'm in the middle of the Venn diagram really of, of hateful right-wing politics. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so that comes with all that anxiety. Sure. Yeah. And aren't you, are you going to school when you're, um, are you going to school for education also? Yeah. I thought I, we were talking about that. I, uh, I spent the entire first year, which is only as a part-time student, um, on the honor roll. Yay! Um, I graduated with D minus um, because it was really impossible to um, focus in school when you're getting thrown against lockers, you know, in the hallway and terrorized in the classroom and outside. So I barely graduated and it took till the age of 48, 47, 48 before I could get into college. And um, being a para for the last four years, a uh, paraeducator, I, and under COVID, I've had to actually uh, run classrooms, you know, more mm -hmm. than once. Mm -hmm. um, I found that I really love teaching and I really love uh, the English language and literature. And I'd really love to teach uh, people how to better comprehend the conversations they're part of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I, I mean, what I want to point out is that I want to acknowledge you and appreciate you for being able to, like, find the joy in that inside of um, dealing with some pretty crappy stuff. I'm going to flash my camera here just real quick. My Trans people are resilient. They have to be. Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> that's true. Unless, that's unless true. we're not, and then tragedy could ensue. Right. Um, I'm wired to be resilient. I've seen the lowest lows. So um, though I'm anxious all the time, I still have a lot always going on. When I, you know, if I didn't have something going on with my life, um, I can find enough beauty in the world to keep, uh, to keep optimistic. And um, I'm not sure if I believe in free will or I'm a determinist, I'm probably a soft determinist. But um, the causality that's gotten me to where I am is um, terrible. And um, when I talk about being homeless, it sounds really sad, but um, really there's a life of a very rich life of romantic love for um, our, our planet, you know, and even the universe, you know. Um, and uh, living is the only way to access that, you know? So um, for all the, all my friends who I um, have to comfort or, or, you know, choose to comfort in their times of pain, um, you know, that's the message is that life is uh, really our only option. And, uh, as excluded as trans people feel, um, 
we have each other and there's we're never completely excluded uh when i was homeless there was no access to to social media there was no access to anything i didn't even have my mom's phone number um i didn't have a contact to anyone in the world at some point so i was completely desperately alone and uh the, light, the world's a little different now it's easier to stay in contact which comforts me when it comes to younger trans people and i tend to think about the lives of younger trans people a lot um i find myself directly even affecting some being in the school yeah just being visible and out um, makes a huge difference for well, if and i don't know how visible i am so i have to be more out yeah but I am out, so. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. I can look pr pretty invisible, so I try to be as out as I can. Yeah. <laughs> Just so they know we're here, right? But, uh, yeah, to, you know, younger trans, you know, I've, I've almost given up on my generation. I'm Generation X, and uh, I was looking at statistics, and, um, you know, good for Gen Z for um, accepting the wave of, of trans rights that came under the Obama administration and not and not just completely turning against and the backlash against uh, trans rights that's happened under the Trump administration. Yeah, I think, I mean, the good news is with the pride flags flying everywhere, I think they've gone gotten too far that way that at least I'm hoping, um, you know, that that they can't they can't take us too far back we'll see who knows i don't know it's a crap shoot right i don't think they can get as bad as gen x which aren't yeah. very better than the the, the boomers and right. believing you know that uh people transition because they feel free to um i only felt free to transition because i literally had nothing you hit the bottom and there's only you know right the chances are uh or lesson that you're going to really risk losing something. But um, yeah, you know, um, having those chances to um, transition where it wasn't as open and easy under the taboo nature of being a trans woman in 19, you know, 98, 2004, when I, I started, you know, really seeking transition. Um, People have to decide whether or not they will transition, whether not whether they won't. And I think that's causing a lot of uh, anxiety among people, especially people my own age who are uh, clearly closeted and don't, you know, they've gotten this far without admitting they're trans, you know. And I think having freedom to trans transition is 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 new and it's causing some anxiety in a lot of people i know it is because sometimes they take it out on me for being so openly trans mm -hmm. yeah. yeah well not only do they have the freedom to transition but they have the freedom to not do it all the way you know what i mean yeah. there's also that world of non-binary which when i came out in 19 i my first shot of testosterone was 2001 and there was no way that you could that I could not like I there's no way I could have had my chest surgery without having been on testosterone for a year and a half because that was protocol right and I had to follow the protocol so nowadays I mean I have non-binary friends who are discovering coming out as non-binary and they're my age 
and they haven't been on testosterone, but they're just going in and saying, I want my chest done and getting it done without, you know, no, any drama. <laughs> it's like they're actually listening to them as grown humans. Not all of them. There's still a lot of gatekeepers out there, but. And it's a big country. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that, that, that non-binary uh, people have gotten any rights is actually pretty surprising to me as someone who's studied this forever um, and known that non-binary people existed, but um, I didn't think people would, would ever warm to Zizer. Um, I really think they, them, and the trans tipping point um, help to uh, people to understand what non-binary people are thinking. I think uh, non-binary names help people to understand um, what non-binary people are feel feeling. Um, and so that acceptance, you know, lifts all boats. Um, also, uh, people are going to be angry about trans rights, whether it's trans, uh, binary trans women, binary trans men, or non-binary agender uh, people. They're, it's all the same coin to them, you know? So if it's drag queens who are um, sometimes transgender, but often just cis men, you know, um, play acting on the weekend, you know, during that time when they're when they're play acting when they're doing their drag thing they are uh, they are um, dealing with the same pressures that all trans people feel mm -hmm. and they know that more than ever now with uh, uh, drag queens being pulled into uh, what trans women tend to feel the most trans people tend to feel pressure equally, but I think trans women have been the target by, you know, uh, the, the Republican party for- Oh yeah, we don't exist to them. Uh, yeah, you know, not exclusion yeah. is just as bad because that means lack of uh, medical, you know, resources. Right. I mean, I think it's less dangerous uh, in the, you know, like out in the visible world um, to some degree in lecture like me and just splash yourself everywhere. <laughs> let the trolls have at me um but i mean most uh trans men anyway and or i mean i'm i'm i've been off testosterone for like five years now so i'm in that non-binary world but my trans men friends just you know they can not be they just disappear and uh it it, it can be safer for them and uh the country doesn't know they exist they don't we don't you know there's no it, <laughs> it's ridiculous so yeah, we definitely less of a threat because we were born with vaginas. So, well, it, it depends on where you go as well, because men in general um, are are subject to violence, you know, less. from other, um, quite often. Of course, you know, oh, yeah, heterosexual trans women have to worry about, uh, you know, things that um, are just regular uh, or or at least studied gendered politics, you know. Right. Um, which I think always kind of gets lost with transgender issues that um, that even even non-binary people uh, can easily, you know, shouldn't probably, but surf WebMD because they're not aliens. You're not an alien. You, you know, we have similar human problems, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, people tend to tell me a lot that they could never possibly understand what I what I 
deal with. And it's like, well, actually, you might not be able to understand it, but someone said recently they couldn't imagine. And I thought, you could imagine that, you know, it's, you go on the, uh, everyone's seeing the same thing I'm seeing, even if it's not directly affecting them, they're still privy to it. Um, if you go on Facebook and you've clicked on any comments, you've probably seen anti-trans comments, you know, they just abound. So, you know, just extrapolate and just imagine what, a marginalized person is, you know, the, the, the stacking effect of those, of those daily cuts, you know, I, I think it's completely imaginable and I think people should try to start imagining what trans people are, are going through so they can actually feel the, the energy to stop it, you know? And don't you take, I mean, sometimes, I think when we're in training, we've talked about this before, we talk about that idea and that response. I couldn't imagine that is a microaggression, right? <laughs> I mean, to some degree, it's like you're you're saying, I can't imagine I, you know, you're out there on an island, you're another number one. Number two is yeah, push away, push away. Just way then, out. Yeah. You know, yeah. alien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the one for me that is always the um the microaggression like that is I can't imagine is the really. <laughs> like that really Pe that happened to you people that people do that oh you poor uh, thing yeah and then that's what but it's always the exasperated really it's like yeah. oh, do you not believe me like am i gonna have to prove it to you or you know and then i just stop talking about things like that i just don't share those things very often because yeah. i can't deal with the really and i'm like i don't, I don't know but really there's too many like trying to talk about what's happening in the world mm -hmm. i mean People just, they want to euphemize. Everything's got to be a euphemism. You can't come out and tell people exactly what happened to you because they're, they're going to turn off. They're going to they're gonna maybe even push back on what you're saying. But right. if you can like reach, you know, appeal to people's general, you know, sense of justice, right. you might get some, something that's not, diminishing of your pain you know right something that they can relate to um because i suppose most people don't get bullied their whole lives you know mm -hmm. but a lot a lot of people do find themselves right. at some point in their life mm -hmm. so i think uh yeah and, and we've all we've all have access access to television shows that have taught, taught us in a lot of ways to be human beings, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just respect people. But, you know, uh, with trans issues, and I find as a trans woman, people really feel the need to let you know what they think about trans issues. And, um, you know, uh, no matter where I've worked, someone's, you know, in the past or recently, let me know that they think I'm not a woman, I'm a man. And they, they'll do some coy way to let me know that, but they have to let me know, you know, it's important to them that they, 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 they let me know that they in no way are participating in my, uh, what, you know, my charade, I suppose is what they're thinking. Um, and they might have a religious element because they think they understand the Bible, you know? Um, right. Although, yeah. 
they, they never they never do they don't they don't understand the bible and they don't understand god and um because if they did they would they would treat people differently you know um sure and so uh it's exasperating you know i i I found it very stymieing growing up and it, and it led to lots of poverty and, you know, um, violence inflicted and um, accidents, you know, like um, just being stressed out constantly. Right. Um, changes your brain. Mm-hmm. It messes with your mood. And when you talk to anyone about it, they tend to not um, be able to make the jump to understand that where you're coming from is a different place than where a cisgender person is coming from. It makes it completely understandable why um, trans people tend to uh, group with other trans people and trans transness is not it's it's a it, it it requires a support group and network but it's it's just like a, a small part of any what you know your gender is a small part of you your experience is different right but your gender is 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 gender generally is ubiquitous and um I think people are, are finally getting bored with the subject of transness, you know, because once you get over the surgery aspect and the um, hormones aspect, uh, what's left is facing um, the way uh, for us in Western society, um, the way that gender has been constructed to um, to oppress uh, certain people, for generally the effeminate. Right. Yeah. And I don't, you know, again, people don't want to, uh, they don't want to deal with those issues. You know, it's easier just to be like, yes, girl, you are so slay and move on, you know, right. or, hey, I'm going to send uh, my trans friend this link about, you know, um, trans lingerie. I'm sure they'll really be interested in, in learning about another uh, company making trans lingerie, you know, m- more interested in, you know, fundamental human rights and access to surgery and, uh, and, and medicine. And uh, for people who are five years and older. Yeah. And Lingerie can, you know, I guess that's important to some people, but (laughs) keeping everything facile certainly isn't, isn't going to help. And I, I I talk to very intelligent people on a daily basis and um, we're just so in the dark, you know, willfully, willful, willful ignorance is a great way to not have to learn anything about these issues, you know, and mm-hmm. and you can just turn off and be like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about trans kids, you know, um, without diving into any of the nuance of what's happening to trans kids, unless you have a trans kid, of course, who, who are some of our greatest supporters right now. Absolutely. Yeah. 
trans kids' is, parents are, well, yeah, especially the, the ones with money. The Paginics have been doing really good for um, accepting their trans kids. Yes. Yes. So there's something. Yeah. That is something they did. They did that. They're doing that well. Yeah. Yeah. So you have uh, one powerful thing in your life, or I don't want to call it a thing, is the love in your life. I know you have a powerful love in your life. And didn't, didn't do you have an anniversary recently? Yeah. yeah. On the 6th, we were, we'd been married since uh, 2006. Uh, that's 17 years, but we've been together since 1998. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say so. Nice. Nice. That's lovely. Yeah. A partnership like that really helps when you're um transitioning in a red state you know yeah. yeah i know a lot of people who lost their their um relationships through their yeah. transit yes yeah me too um <coughs> excuse me and i've always had that as a powerful bit jessica and i've been together since right before i transitioned and we're best friends just like you all we were best friends since 99 so we're similar coming up on the same time Mm-hmm. And I've always found that to be a really powerful uh, benefit too to have that that great love in my life. So, which leads me to uh, in the beginning, you shared with us that you are also out as an asexual person. We've never talked about that on the show, and and um, you know, I don't think much of many of us know much about asexuality. And I've been on panels with you where you've talked about that. Will you share that journey or how you came to that or um, as much of that as you want to share? Um, Cause I think it's something we'd like for people to know more about if you're open. I didn't come out as asexual until about oh, three years ago, maybe mm-hmm. uh, about three years ago, sounds right. Um, but I've been asexual my whole life and it's, it's caused some pain and problems. I, I, generally being asexual is it's a walk in the park you know it's fine there's um representation is nice for asexual people but we're we're and we asexual people are uh very much bullied and um treated terribly honestly and excluded and um but again it's not that bad to be an asexual person is not that bad to uh, uh, live as an asexual person unless you, you know you require companionship. That's you know um, matrimonial. Um, I'm lucky that um, my wife is okay with it. Um, I don't. I can't speak for her anyway. Um, and I don't really know a lot about asexuality that other people um, uh, experience because there are um, aromantic people who are under the same rubric and I'm still trying to understand aromantic people. And as a para educator who works with um, neurodivergent people, I'm, I think in a, in a good place to understand uh, and being an extremely sensitive person myself, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I think I, I think I have a, a grasp on what a romantic people are uh, feeling at this point. It kind of sounded slutty, 
to me when I first heard about it. Mm -hmm. um, you don't like romance, you just like sex and you just have, you know, to me that just sounded like you like, you like a lot of sex, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized, no, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting. I'm an asexual person. I think this is the point as an asexual person. Many asexual people are sex repulsed. I, I think I am because there's part of the brain that when you have sex turns off, um, kind of like when you're driving a car, uh, it's extremely scary, but part of your brain turns off. So you can project yourself, just throw yourself 50 miles per hour through space. Um, so to, to keep having human babies, the brain that find, the part of the brain that finds any kind of you know, sexual displeasure, it turns off during states of arousal. And for asexual people, there's a good chance that that's not happening. Um, but most asexual people don't, I don't know. Many asexual people do not consider themselves, uh, you know, find any disgust with uh, sex. And honestly, you know, I've, I've had sex and with, you know, several partners and uh, a lot of asexual sexual people live their whole life having sex, you know, maybe on a, on a monthly basis, you know, with, with, their, with their partner to, to make sure that everyone's happy. Um, but they're not really enjoying it. It's not something that they're, they're seeking out or it's nothing I would seek out. And for me as an asexual person, it became dangerous growing up when um, people would hit on me, you know, girls would hit on me um, when I was, you know, boy uh, projecting. And um, I didn't take sexual cues whatsoever. Um, you know, I would never know if someone's flirting with me. I just would never know it. And um, it's hurt people's feelings in the past, people who, who, who liked me and they, they didn't get any, you know, I could just stay in the friend zone with them for forever and, you know, never move past that. And they might want to, but I would never, you know, if you're not explicit, I would, how would I know? Uh, I'm just not wired to even be, you know, seeking out sex. Um, I was always wired to seek out romance and a relationship and comfort, um, cuddling and sweetness, you know, but um, not, not physical sex. And um, at the moment I am fundraising for uh, GRS and it's going well. I What's GRS? Um, I call it genital re reconstruction surgery, gender. Okay. Uh, it was originally gender reassignment surgery, which was, you know, frowned upon. Gender reassignment sounds like, you know, I, I'm not too picky. Um, yeah. Because it's uh, gender affirming surgery. So I just. Affirming. Yeah, is what yes. I mean a lot now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. A sex change. You know, I'm old. I'm, I'm taking a trip to Sweden. Um, I'll be back in this in a year, you know, like, yeah. I, um, what's well, another We're We're happy to pop up your GoFundMe page on our. Oh, thanks. I mean, I would love that. Um, on our uh, site, I have my buddy, uh, Patrice's, uh, trying to help them get their chest surgery before they turn 50. So, you know, yeah, difference. Like, we got to get this stuff done. 
<laughs> I want to agree, but I, I, I'm only now coming to even terms with having bottom surgery. Yeah. I, uh, a lot of non-op trans people say they were born with their genitalia and they mm -hmm. don't feel a need to change it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was always too expensive. Mm. At $45,000, you know, roundabout. Yeah. It was out, always outside the reach right. of possibility. So I just assumed that I could tell myself forever that I didn't want any change. And now I know that through my new insurance, through, uh, through the state, um, I just have to reach my copay, uh, my, my, my deductible. Um, so I can finally afford it and I'm moving forward as quickly as possible. That's as exciting. I, yeah. Nice. You know, as rationally as possible, I, I still have to get two more letters which, you know, at, eight, at uh, you know, 18 years of being on hormones, seven, you know, it's, yeah. it seems kind of like, you know, I shouldn't need a letter right. or anything. No. Right. Same with but my, my buddies but, having to get a letter to get their chest surgery. They're 50 years, going to be 50 years old. I mean, come on, people. It's like we're yeah. grown people. Yeah. You know, whatever you think about self-ID, I mean, come on. Come on you know like, <laughs> it's ridiculous make up your mind you know but cisgender women have to get letters to have a hysterectomy you know like just just it's a it's terrible for everyone yeah. um and i've been jumping through these hurdles forever and yeah whenever i'm talking to baby trans and they're jumping through them i tend to forget how hard it was you know but i'm dealing with it now i'm back you know like restarting your transition 20 years later um i think is important for a lot of people because it's easy to get complacent especially after you know hormones and i don't have the drive from testosterone that i used to have i probably have less testosterone than most cis women you know right um so so it's easy to really kind of hit a plateau and stay there at a certain point um yeah so I'm, I'm thrilled and scared, um, but I, I, and I, and I wonder if um, there will be a change to my sexual proclivities. Um, I'm seeking vulvoplasty, which I don't know if you know the difference between that and a vaginoplasty, mm -hmm. or your audience probably doesn't. So no, I don't, we don't. Is a shallow, it's a shallow depth vagina. And it's really appearances only, you know, mm -hmm. um, because uh, trans surgery is by no means perfected. I don't right. think for anyone. Right. Um, and I have absolutely no issue with other people uh, dilating on a daily basis for the rest of their lives. If that's something that, you know, um, they feel they need. Yeah to have a full vaginoplasty because that's a requirement um it can close up and uh it it's it's slightly more dangerous it's much more dangerous you know and it's um it just takes a lot of care yeah. and it's only purpose honestly is for people who want vaginal sex and you know i don't see that right. in my and so um quicker recovery time you know um and uh 
my goal or my hope is that it will bring me comfort in my body. Yeah. At last. And that I will be able to move into this next part of my life because starting college at age 48 and not expecting to become, you know, to join your career until age 55 is daunting and nerve wracking. And being a trans woman in the classroom is something I've done for four years now. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I feel like I can't do that, right. but leading a class for a year, you know, like I need all the, I need all the confidence I can get yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, I think that that might play a big part. I, I don't, it's not going to keep, people aren't going to misgender me <clears throat> less if I get bottom surgery, unless, you know, I carry myself differently. So, um, it's good to be excited about something. I'm excited for you. At, at this age, you know. Um, yeah. And nervous. Um, but uh, like I said, I canceled out facial feminization surgery. So that's a little. Good, because I love your face. I, am, I hope you don't think too. I love my face. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. I needed an outside view. And if you've seen the uh, results of facial feminization surgery, they're remarkable. You know, um, pretty face or not, I can see my tells, you know. and Yeah, and, if, and that's the only thing. Like, that's the thing that's always, because I, I can't. Or, you know, you know people yeah. see my So right. I think it's sweet. Um, and I love being told that I pass, but then it's like, I'm misgendered a lot. And every time I'm misgendered, I feel like every single person who's told me that I pass has kind of been a liar, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah that's really interesting. I mean, there's and a I, whole world of uh, metaphysics around perception and yeah. the whole stuff that we could get into around that. But yeah, that's um, because it, it is interesting when I have had friends, I've had trans men friends too that have had this issue too, where they, they've like, I can't see it. I mean, all I can see of them is it's not body, they get it's misgendered. Not it's body and so. at all. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's the schema that your brain has spent its entire life forming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we were asked to take pity on our parents and our loved ones for who, who's, who's lost after the transition, you know, but we don't, we don't ask ourselves to do that. A lot of times, we're so invested in forgetting about that past part of ourselves that we uh, we just bury it, and then we're dealt, we're dealing with. So um, therapy is something that's super important for every trans person and cis person alike. And therapy is not good for trans people. Uh, maybe in San Francisco or Vegas or someplace where there's large clusters of trans people there are there are uh, there and i'm sure there are therapists who really do a good job specializing in trans issues but in the midwest no it's terrible and there's 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 all the emphasis all the uh, emphasis seems to be on getting that letter reaching transition but not aftercare and not the 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 removal of the ego that you want gone you know, like you're, a lot of a lot of trans people I know cling to old 
ways. And honestly, it was a Gen Z kid who was like, I hate punk rock. I'm um, a trans girl and I'm 17 and I hate punk rock. Like, uh, I am tired of men forcing culture down my, um, on me. And um, I'm going to just like feminine things, which are considered lesser than. Um, and I and I read that, and I uh, I agreed 100 that I had been um, I had been um, denying something in myself for decades after I trans a decade after I transitioned that I'd still been <clears throat> denying. Well, and that's uh, how I felt it was going off testosterone. Right. I mean, that's, that was exactly my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was exactly the same. I mean, for me, it took the Me Too movement for me to remember. It was like a remembering. It was like, oh, I used to be a lesbian separatist feminist. <laughs> like, I'm like, there was a weird, you know, and all the entitlement and all that. And then so then going off testosterone, have my ovaries wake up now, my lady butt back. I feel so grateful to be now. I feel like I'm the perfect blend of you know and just like you said what happened was i transitioned i went on testosterone and then forgot about everything else you know and it took thank god the me too movement we want to become off testosterone people, right right, right. Okay. and i am now i i really do feel like that way now i'm my whole like i'm a lesbian with a beard and no tits or i'm you know like, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, like all the things that i you know wanted to be but boy it took a while as I might have become a turf, and maybe if you hadn't um, made your transition, you would also be a turf. Yeah. So <laughs> I hope not, but yeah, <laughs> that's possible. But, um, and I, I think, uh, you know, like like yourself, who 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 went all the way one way and found comfort in the middle, and for me, I'm someone who's always been shoved into the middle. Mm -hmm. just like you will be in the middle you're in the middle of the united states you're uh you're gender fluid you're um you like to hang out with the boys but you're the most feminine you know boy that they ever knew you know um um just constantly being in the middle it's always kind of like i don't i i've always felt like a binary trans woman whatever that means i don't think yeah. you can literally become a binary trans well you'd be you'd be a binary trans woman but you're not cisgender and i don't think cisgender people ever would allow a trans woman or man to be fully you know considered a woman or a man i think uh, all trans people fit somewhere in the non-binary you know um it's non it's not very binary to uh you, you know, in the 60s, you were forced, like we said earlier, to uh, be one or the other. If you were a yeah. trans woman, they would come to your house and make sure that you, you were feeding your husband at, at dinner time. Yeah. And, wow. and now you can be a trans woman who loves to work on cars, you know? And you, yeah. a lot of trans women keep a lot of their hobbies because they're passionate about that. that. And I think that's great. I still love punk rock and I, I don't see how music is really gendered, honestly. It's just it tends to be a lot more guys, you know, doing these things. But um, I, 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 I like humanity and I want, I want to see the breadth of human experience. And I don't 
trans people are lucky because they kind of that that anarchy of gender frees you from being stuck on one side of the wall right and if you transition and you're still too scared your whole life to follow your interests because they were on the other side of the fence when you were younger you're still in the closet you know you haven't really come out you're you're um you're living based on fears you know yeah there's causal realities you know like trans women i'm i'm taller i'm in a higher lower percentile of how you know tall women are that's going to change the way people see me Mm -hmm. i have tattoos Mm-hmm. someone might be looking at me terribly and i think they're they're transphobic but really they just don't like cool people you know <laughs> that is true they don't like yeah. cool people maybe they sure. think para educators are dumb and they, they <laughs> right it's all the story we tell ourselves and you know tend to focus hyper focus on trans issues so i tend to think people are being transphobic to me every time they're sure you know, they don't like me because my joke was bad you know like right. i you just never know what someone else is thinking. We're all stuck in our own minds, right? Yep, that's for sure. We just sure. we can control our internal circumstances to help make sure other people are aren't uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's what the goal is: is to get people to feel sympathetic to other people. You know, who who because this is a very a country of victim blaming. I mean. Yeah, it's what we do. And so, um, you know, I don't like to say people who are bullied tend to bully or anything. I tend to find that being bullied my whole life made me love my bully in a way that other people wouldn't understand in a lot of ways. Like I could be, I I tend to befriend my bully easily and I, I love you know, we're, we're different sides of the same coin in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but those are, those are personal interactions. That's not legislation, right? That's not, that's not the way it's going to affect the future, you know? Um, but we have to, we have to talk to each other. We can't, we can't hide from one flap of a butterfly's wings. I mean, that's how I view it. You know, we're bullying ourselves. The internalized transphobia is stronger in a lot right. of ways than any externalized transphobia because we, if we didn't come out of the closet, we we bought into it. We believe it more than than other people do. You know, and if we come out of the closet and we're constantly shaming ourselves about yeah. it, like right. I'm completely over transphobia now. Like as of yesterday, I realized transphobia is a way to shame people back into the closet and nothing else you know people can be like you need to be sympathetic of people and their their misunderstanding and i'm not anymore i'm just not because it's damaging Mm -hmm. to others even in its even in its most you know in its softest form it it causes damage and it's it it's it exists for us the sole reason of keeping trans people closeted yeah And I mean, I do think that we all have it like it's not like we can't not be transphobic. And I think it's our job to each figure out how to transform it. We don't have to be we don't we don't have to be we don't have to to, we don't have to walk on eggshells with other people on ourselves. 
when it comes to trans rights. Oh, I'm no, no. Yeah, no, not not like that. Yeah. About it by no means. And I, I, the whole trope of making trans women into uh, aggressors, I think, is disgusting. And it and it harkens back to the earlier times of the Internet when um, trolling was new and they were cr creating division, you know, the seeds of division and uh, trans women tend to live online. Trans men do too, um, because you don't have to interact with anyone in real life like that. Um, and so do the trolls, again, the bullies and the bully. And um, now there's the trope of arming trans women with guns because somehow arming trans women with guns will make them good with guns. Suddenly guns will be an effective tool of, in, in, in the act of defense, which they are not that the likelihood of suicide having a gun in your house, or uh, if you are in a, in a relationship with an abuser, it being pulled on you and used is, is heightened. But people find it really charming, I think, to, to suggest that trans women being armed would protect us against society in some way. That's and, so it, I don't know. I'm sorry. All the gun arming. That's just ridiculous. And, I'm not going to. Yeah. 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 And as much as I appreciate Stonewall, one, one, one instance wasn't going to stop the whole LGBT movement, you know, like if that had never happened, the LGBT movement would be in the almost the exact same place it is today. Cause this is inevitable. Yeah. yeah for sure. um, and I Throwing a brick makes us feel good because it's good to have a symbol of fighting back. But making a trans woman this icon of throwing a brick again makes trans women seem more aggressive. And honestly, I think it makes people feel comforted again because trans women in a lot of people's minds are, are really just men in dresses. And, and, the, and we picture men as being the big, you know, fix-it types who will fight right. Right. and we still layer that skin on trans yeah. women no matter what trans women um appear as yeah well and that's part of why we're here is to continue to open minds and hearts and um educate mm -hmm. folks uh do you want to share do you have any uh do you have instagram you want to share with us where's your gofundme page um anything like that before we wrap up we've been we've been chatting for over an hour i think Oh, yeah. close to it it's always so. fun talking to you know, i enjoy talking to you a lot mm -hmm. um well um i'm christiana joy on twitter and anna cranberry on facebook and i'm pretty open uh, as of now i will probably lock all these things up when i become a teacher because you know uh, <laughs> i don't want to have access to my uh, internal thoughts if i'm a public figure right. but um, there's nothing dangerous there to see, you know. I think I, I think I'm emotive and clever in a tactful way, um, but you know, I'm emotional because it's an emotional world. Um, sure. My uh, fundraiser on GoFundMe is called Anna Cranberry's Big Trans Fundraiser, nice. um, and yeah, I'm just gonna keep trying to do my best. I would hope to start a band eventually again someday. I'm not against that idea, even though it doesn't seem to be working out. You know, I, I uh, one day it could, you know, I'm always 
open, but um, for now, it's really like just nose to the books. Nice. Finish yeah. college, finally be able to afford to fix everything in my life, but most importantly, start closing a lot of chapters where um, I've defined myself as as someone who was loose to the winds and not um, in control of my life. And I want I want to be able to uh, finally start feeling like the adult that I am, and you know, really. Um, really focusing all my effort on uh, making the world a better place. Wow. Well, that's a perfect place to end. Thank you so much for doing that and for being who, who you are for the world and who you are for those, uh, even those trans kids that see you in the hallways. Um, I know it's not an easy journey as a para, uh, but there's a reason you're there. And part of it is to be there for them so thank you for that and thanks for being my friend and thanks for coming on the show everybody do not forget to subscribe to us like tell all your friends and thanks for listening love you bye hey thanks for listening to the gender reveal party podcast i hope you loved it and if you did would you take a second and go do all the things like subscribe rate review tell all your friends Apparently, if you do that, the podcast platforms are more likely to share it. And if you think these stories are important, please take three minutes to just go do that. I'd really appreciate it. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at The Gender Reveal Party. And on Twitter, I'm at Prior J. It's a real joy and privilege to bring you this podcast. Come back soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.